Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Sweet Tea and TV. This is Nikki. And Selena. From the future. Coming back in time from season five of our show to thank you for joining us and to give you a brief note before you jump in. As we're recording this, we're in 2023. We started this podcast in 2021, so we've had a little more experience since we started. In particular, when we think about the first season, we'll never not think about the audio quality. Boy, we struggled. That's right. At times we were recording in different places. Sometimes our recording service would just shut down or just not work the same way it did the week before. It was a real journey. All that to say, it might not be the best listen in places. So if this is your first time listening, we want you to know the audio quality gets so much better in season two as we learn more and made some improvements. And we hope you'll stay with us long enough to find that out. Now, let's get into it. Hey y'all, I'm Nikki. And I'm Selena, and this is Sweet Tea TV, a podcast by two Southerners exploring and celebrating the better parts of Southern culture on TV and in entertainment. In our first season, we'll dive into the iconic show Designing Women, a series far ahead of its time, following four strong, brazen women right here in our backyard, Atlanta. So join us as we break down each episode and discuss what they got right, what they got wrong, and how this show holds 30 plus years later. Come on, let's get into it. Hello, Selena. Hello, Nikki. I have some housekeeping news, updates, words for the listeners. All right. Is it okay if I talk about that first? Please, please. So I want to say... Um, First of all, that um, our audio has been a little bit all over the place on the podcast and audio falls in my wheelhouse of things that I've been managing on the podcast. So I feel really bad for that. I feel like it's not been the best, but, but I'm defending myself by saying we're new to this. I think we've talked about the fact that we have full-time jobs outside of podcasting. So um, we have something else entirely that we do with our lives and we're learning this as we go. So that's my defense of myself. Well, my defense of you is that you've had to deal with me and sometimes my audio has sounded like (laughs) (laughs) So I've been the problem child and it's really my fault. So (laughs) Shared um, responsibility. Okay, we'll take we'll take it that way. Uh, we own but, the podcast together. We'll share the responsibility. Yeah, but Nikki's been cleaning up her act and my act, and uh, we're really trying to get somewhere. So we I, are, and I think yeah. we're getting somewhere. I think every time we record, we get a little bit better. Right. Maybe we should slap something onto the first episode that says, <laughs> "Join us at episode 12." <laughs> That's when perfection of audio quality really starts in. Episode 12 feels ambitious for perfection. Oh, well, maybe. Given this process. I really also, like, I'm I'm sure that you're seeing a lot of things on your social media, like, trying to advertise to you about podcasts. Mm. And now they're all like, the number one issue that people hate are uh, audio issues. And I'm like, shh, shh. Shut up. <laughs> We're doing the best we can. What trying? Yeah. So that, yeah, this is our, uh, I'm like, well, this was, well, I'm like, you asked if you could talk about it. Now I'm acting like it's mine too. I'm like, this is ours. 
shared responsibility. So I don't want to belabor the point. I just want to apologize briefly to acknowledge that we know that it's been a little bit wonky in certain places. I do feel like every recording we identify a new factor to take into account and we are trying to (laughs) take it into account. Selena has bought a lot of equipment. I.E. every time... That we record something, we realize something else that Selena is doing incorrectly. I didn't say that. I didn't. Selena, say that. please stop jingling your bracelets, slamming down your coffee, <laughs> knocking well, into something while we're talking. <laughs> I I realized on our last recording maybe I shouldn't wear hats because my hat kept brushing the microphone. So it's I, something. It's something every time, but we really are trying to improve. We want this to be a good experience for everyone, but I don't, I don't want anybody to, in case they had the illusion that we were real professionals at this, I don't want them to labor under that uh, misillusion because we are certainly not, we're new, but we are learning as we go. Um, And we would love to hear if anybody out there who happens to stumble upon our podcast and knows anything about audio that wants to share their tips and tell us maybe how we can do better. (laughs) That would be nice. Uh well, there. Okay. Well, you've really opened Pandora's box there, That's maybe. True. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. All maybe right. don't. Right. Do it in well, a nice way. So uh, this is also. I think this is a nice segue, honestly, Nikki, because I think what we've just given an example of is two Southern women over apologizing. Right. Um, six minutes in, and we've apologized for six right. straight minutes. So. <laughs> Now you know. <laughs> we just want to make sure you get the full Southern experience. Uh, and now you have. Uh, but with that in mind, do we feel like that gives them enough of an idea of, hey, guys, we're not the best and not the worst? Yeah. But let's talk about designing women. Maybe we should have just gone there first. We're not the best. We're not the worst. You knew that, though. Let's talk designing women. Uh, well, so with that in mind, we are reaching episode four. Wow. We've made it so far. We have made it so far. You know what I just realized I don't have is the episode name. Julia's son. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, See, look at this. Teamwork. Shared responsibility or teamwork. Whichever term. Teamwork, as the posters at work used to say that are now covered in dust, makes the dream work. Um, So hang on to that little branch kitty cat. You'll get through the day. Um, so here's the description that Hulu gives us. When Julia's 19-year-old son brings his girlfriend home from college, diplomacy becomes impossible when Julia finds that the girl is a 40-year-old professor. Asterix 41. Spoiler. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just kidding. This whole thing, again, was a spoiler. So... I don't know. It didn't really it didn't really do the uh, lack of diplomacy justice. That's true. Yeah. So we definitely get a lot of that. I just think like, again, we have another. I think it's like this. If you are following along and you don't necessarily want to know exactly what happens in the episode, you may not want to look at the description for the purposes of us and the fact that we're reviewing it closer than any human being on earth should, I say <laughs> that it's okay for us to read the description. Because we're going to go there in about two and a half minutes. Well, and it's still about the journey, right? Right. It's not, it's not just, so we get it, but it seems like to me that they could have just been like, they could have stopped at like, brings his girlfriend home. We right. know things are about, we know we're about to get shenanigans. They could have even gone as far as saying, brings his girlfriend home and diplomacy between Julia and the girlfriend is hard. Right. It's a challenge. Right. right. 
So, but we, okay, but we won't tell, we don't even know this is Hulu's. I actually tried to look up like who writes these and I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's them or if it's oh, actually good like point. designing women's or, so there's no one to blame. It just is what it is. Um, but just really, I think I wanted to just share with you that one of the reactions that I was having as I like read the description and I was flipping on Hulu was just let it be better than the last one. Just let it yeah. be better than the last one. And so, it was. And I, I, yes, it was. Um, and I also wanted to say that I feel like this felt a little bit like an ahead of its time plot line. Mm. Because they could have picked someone else and it could have been the older man with the younger woman. Oh, that's a so, good point. I didn't think yeah. of it that way. Well, I have a lot of thoughts. I know that surprises you. <laughs> but um, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But I thought what we could do first is just kind of set the scene. Okay. Um, and so basically, like, when the show opens, it's all the cast members are there, all our main cast. And uh, Julia is, like, nervously preparing for her son, Payne, uh, to bring home a girl from college. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I felt like they covered a lot of ground in the time when the show opened and before he got there. Like... A lot of big topics. Yeah. So I'm just the first one that hit me already was like this idea, Suzanne, she weirdly at the same time thinks that the girlfriend might be pregnant because Julia's <laughs> acting all weird. That but line made me laugh. Oh yeah, it's all fun. Somebody pregnant? Right. But then one second later she flips around and she's like surprised he was with the girl in the first place. Oh, right. So, and I was like, uh, I just had like a little bit of whiplash. I'm like, all right, Suzanne, choose a choice. But you know what? Be free to be you, I guess. These are characters I wish were real because you know where my mind went when I was thinking about Suzanne being his aunt? So he's 21, 20, 19. 19. So about 20 because I'm really bad with math. Round numbers are easier for me. We just learned that Suzanne recently turned 30, uh -huh. which means she's only 10 years his senior. Which means when he was a baby, she was 10 years old. Which means that when he was 10 years old, she was in college. And so mm. what that says to me is like this dynamic of them as aunt and nephew. And like, what did she really think? Like, what does she really think of him? And what has she really thought of him over time? Because I would imagine her mind was in a million other places other than her nephew, given that age, that small age difference. So I just, I would love to know more about their relationship and were they really close? Did she really think these things about him when he was a kid? I don't know. That's where my mind went. Yeah, I, I agree with that, actually. So, like, I have, um, I, I come from a really small family, and I only have two first cousins. Wow. Yeah. And one is 10 years younger than me, and the other is eight years younger than me. Mm. So I can tell you exactly what you're thinking when yeah. you're 18 and that person is 10 or eight years old. Right. No, nothing. Right. Because you're 18 and you're super selfish. Right. Or like maybe like one time you went to the movies with them and you were seeing Bruce Almighty and the kid was going through that phase. I'm sorry, Holden, I love you. But you're going through that phase where it's the question phase. What's happening? What's going on? Oh, no. What's this? What's that? But like at full volume. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being, it was one of the few times I even ever did anything with my family because I was too cool. <laughs> and I would just like remember turning around and being like, shut up. So I don't know. I feel like that 
and I love them very much. And I, I loved being around them when I was like actually home and spending time together. Right. But you are worlds apart. Right. Between a kid and someone just on the burgeoning of like adulthood. So right off the bat, I took us down an irrelevant rabbit hole, except to say both of those things that she said about him, one, like, is someone pregnant? And then two, like thinking that maybe he was, you know, going to grow up gay or whatever. Those two things. I was like, did she really ever give him even a second thought for most of her life? Right. It just struck me. Right. And then while we're saying that, I'm just going to say that, like, I got a little wincy when she was talking about him possibly being gay. I mean, I just think some of that didn't age that well. Yeah, agreed. Um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of want to, I, I thought that maybe it sort of just showed we're definitely in the 80s uh, with hardly any LGBTQ representation on TV. Mm-hmm. So in 2021, I just think it feels really out of touch. Yeah. That said, I wanted to know what you thought about, because I know we we talked before that my memory is a little bit better since mainly I think you heard your mom talk about it more than you watched Designing Women. Right. So I think we'll get to a really watershed moment in season two. Mm. And so if I thought maybe we could um, kind of put that winciness to the side sure. for now and then we'll unshelve it in season two. That sounds good to me. I think as long as we acknowledge that it felt a little uh, 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 something's not quite right here and that we'll get another chance to talk about it. Sounds good. Okay. So I thought, but I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement, partner. And that said, thanks, partner. That said, (laughs) it wasn't egregious necessarily. It was too, I think you described it perfectly with wincy. It was just sort of like, eh, eh. They're just going to keep saying it. (laughs) I always want to create a scale. Like with like cringy somewhere, like unacceptable, cringy, wincy, I don't know, like the seven dwarves of the 80s or something. I don't know. We'll have to play with it, I think, because I I just need, I think, oh, gosh, the next time we meet, I'll have bars and charts. It's true. You really will. You'll have a scale. Prepare yourself. I know. I'm like, I'm I'm like already writing notes to myself. So I've color coded these words into red, which corresponds to the worst. Right. We'll go. We'll don't worry, uh, listener. We'll go on about that for seven hours <laughs> and you can experience with it us with with it us. Oh, Again, end of the workday. It's been a long Forgive one. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, for the audio issues, I turned off my air and I'm sitting in a very hot location just for you. I one day we'll do a behind the scenes of where we're sitting at which recording because I was telling Selena I just rotate around the house based on where my kids are so I can be the furthest possible away from them so I I oscillate throughout the house which means I have to set my whole setup up every single time Selena's in the chamber over here with no air conditioning I'm doing it for you (laughs) it's all so glamorous Yes, for whoever eventually listens to this. I'm doing it for you. Um, So I was going to say that another conversation point that I felt like they hit on at this time, though, was like this appropriate age for serious relationships or marriage. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. What I miss? Well, this is where we learn that uh, Charlene's parents got married at 17 and 15. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, we get a little snapshot of her life, which I think is important because if memory serves, we're going to learn a lot about Charlene and where she lives. And so she, well, she uses her family a lot is like, uh, you know, 
her examples of things mm-hmm. or why she feels the way she does and all of this. So she also gives this really weird example of Jerry Lee Lewis and him marrying his 13 year old cousin. Yeah. I'm not sure that one. I don't, I'm not sure that made the point she wanted it to make. Let's just, uh, I, okay. So, uh, Let's just say that I think her point is love can happen younger sure. than you think it can, Julia, for your son who is 19. Right. So if these 13-year-olds, 15 and 17-year-olds are getting married, right. you know, it's possible that Payne is having some serious feelings about this woman, girl, sure. person, individual. Anyways. The other thing, this is in your territory, I think, and I really wanted to get your feelings on this as a parent, because this is one of those places, again, where I've learned, like, just step out of the way, Um, you know, just step out of the way and let it end. (laughs) So um, uh, when you start talking about being a parent and I'm not a parent, but there seemed to be a lot about the significance of the mother son relationship. And that for Mary Jo and Julia, like all these rules about progressivism were really like coming to a halt, you know, it's fine for everybody else. It's different from my baby. Right. Is, 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 uh, Charlene was putting it, you guys are usually tearing down double standards, but like all that went out the window because they wanted to protect their babies. Yeah. I get that. And Mary Jo says one of my favorite lines in the entire episode, I absolutely adore our sex, but let's face it. Some of us are scum. It's true, man. It's true. Well, can we say that it was ahead of their time that they said sex and not gender? Oh, you could. So you could. You could. That's know. a good point. And I would say, I think there is, it's my kids are so young that it's hard to say where my mind will be in bad at math 16 years it's hard to say where my mind will be but I do think there's something um special about your kids just in general and um you know you're the the person they go to that um sort of meets all their needs like Mary Jo was saying you fill up his um fruit loops and you do all the things for him or her um and I will say that one of the challenges I've had as a parent is because I have a son and a daughter. I had my daughter first um, and my mom had two girls and a boy. And my mom always used to tell me when I had my daughter, if you ever have a son, you'll you'll understand X, Y and Z because it's just different between a mother and a son the same way it's different between a dad and a daughter. Um, this is our experience talking. I think every family, every dynamic is different, but that was our experience. And um, I just never really understood what she meant when I had my daughter because I was just like, they're like, they're my kids. I'm going to love them the same way. Um, and I just, as a parent who's now, um, almost five years, big milestone coming up almost five years into it. I, I think you love your kids equally, but I don't know that you can love them the same because they are two very different people. And I think with my son, our relationship is just different. He is like my little shadow, whereas my husband, um, little shadow is my daughter. And that's, I don't know if it has to do necessarily with the fact that it's a boy and a girl and a mom and a dad, if it's just worked out that way for us. But for one reason or the other, my son and I have, um, he, he just has a very uh, unique attachment to me that my daughter doesn't have. So I, this feels, as we're talking about cringy things to say, this feels cringy to say, um, because I know that in general, it's supposed to be, it's, it's intended to be, you treat your kids the same and it doesn't matter what sex they are because they're just people. Um, 
And and so I, I always hesitate to say there's a difference between the boy and the girl. But I will say that my experience aligns with with what Julia is experiencing here. This little bit of um, of a protectiveness over him and an anecdote to go along with it. An example. He was at the playground in Meta Girl, an older woman, if you will. He met a five year old <laughs> and we have not stopped talking about Lily. That's how he says oh. Lily since he met her. And he just went on and on about how wonderful Lily was and how great she was. And I'm just like, come on, man. You don't need Lily. You got mommy. So I, could, I very much identified with this plot line. And I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was sweet. I thought it, it made a lot of sense to me. And, but I hope that I'll be more, um, be more healthy when the time comes for Landon to find his lady friend. <laughs> thought that it was for so for one thing it's good to hear your perspective but in taking it back to the show I actually think that's very realistic because I think a lot of times especially today we want to throw people like in one box or the other you know that you strictly have to believe only this thing or only this column or only this group or whatever and people are more complicated than that right Mm -hmm. and so I actually I don't because I, I don't even want to call it hypocritical. I just want to say it's like there's something realistic about that, that there are there are negotiables and non-negotiables in life. And there are influencing factors on your attitudes and beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I actually really appreciated the honesty of that. The only thing that I was like, you lay awake at night and think about the women that can't wait to get their hands <laughs> on your sons. Yeah, that got weird. And then my thought to Mary Jo's was about her sentiment about um, <laughs> all the things that someone else would eventually do was uh, for her son, like lay out the clothes and all that. <laughs> I was like, if I was Mary Jo's soon to be daughter-in-law, I think I would be like, don't worry, Mary Jo. I want a man who's going to do those things for himself. So, <laughs> well, it's I think- okay. I think that shows where Mary Jo is in the parenting journey. That's all she's known so far. So that's all she could ever figure. But I I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Sometimes being a wife isn't that far removed from some of those things. Right. (laughs) So I guess I told you there was a lot to unpack just from that very beginning. And I'm trying to choose words wisely. (laughs) Well, so for that... Um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about Payne and arriving with his girlfriend and the big surprise there. So Payne comes in alone at first and there's like all these hugs and kisses and, oh, I've never seen you before, but probably saw you recently. I don't know. Well, he called all the women by their first names. Did you catch that? There was no Miss Frazier or Miss Shively. Oh, good Which catch. felt very anti. That's not how I was raised. Ooh. That's true. Yeah, I did. I did do that a lot, even probably at 19. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I probably still do it sometimes. I do that to my um, friend's parents, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's weird to call them by their first name. That's just not it's just not how I was raised. But should we recognize the fact that we're our age? And is that still happening? Like, what, what are you teaching your kids to do? Are they saying we, we call people miss? Okay. We call people miss and we do the like, this is cringy for some people, but we also say yes, ma'am and yes, sir. And right. no, ma'am and no, sir. Well, that was a, that was, was a non-negotiable for me unless I wanted to die. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. 
it's a whole thing. It's people feel mixed opinions about it. Um, yeah. Because it kind of, I, I, I don't know, for a lot of reasons, but yeah. we just, I feel like it just showed respect and it just was, it's just kind of a nice thing to do. I don't know. Anyway, not to sidetrack again, but oh, it yeah. just struck me that like we're in a Southern show and he's not going to call them Miss whatever. No, that's a really good catch. That. I'm glad that you said that, especially for all of our thousands and millions of listeners <laughs> who may not be a, from the North. <laughs> and around the world they must know right yeah every single country really deal yeah around the world um and we, and we welcome you uh so th- here she here she comes the lady of the hour primrose houghton and she just mm-hmm. but there's no southern accent so i don't know why i'm doing one but she just it's glides primrose in houghton. yeah what was your first reaction to her I, uh, my first, first reaction was I was just trying to place her because she's so familiar to me. Okay. The actress was really familiar. Now, did you figure it out? Uh, I did. Uh, oh, okay. I figured out where I think she's from, but you can tell me if I'm wrong uh, or if there's somewhere else I should recognize her from. Well, I have, I, I have a little thing that I pulled together on both of the actors since we haven't oh, had, okay. we haven't had a lot. I like to say something about all of the guest stars if I can figure out where they're from. Um, sure. I haven't like announced that formerly, but not formerly, formally. Um, but uh, I will, I do want you to guess, but let's let's focus on primrose right now okay, okay. so you did yeah, she had a very commanding very commanding sort of uh dramatic entrance my very first thought oh my god he's dating his mother oh fascinating she reminds me a lot Whoa. of julia well and later something happens that makes me think they are just like two sides of the same coin yeah just one's like a parent and one's not a parent right so one's a parent and one's the parent's child poacher <laughs> right as we're so told at the very beginning right I, also her name being primrose and primmy for short was well, so weird well here's that what, a weird nickname here's what i but so i do think primmy is kind of a weird nickname and she strikes me as someone who wouldn't allow that Right, right. But I actually thought... You can thought, call me Primrose. I was wondering if what... Um, so, Linda Bloodworth Thomason, I cannot say that all the time. So, we're going to call her LBT. Is that okay? <laughs> she may not enjoy it, and that's okay. She can come on the I'm show. I'm going to end up calling her... She can come on the <laughs> show and tell BLT. us about it. Oh, well, she may mind that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, BLTs are j- delicious, so... They're delicious. I don't know why she would be offended. It just means high marks from Nikki's nibbles <laughs> so this whole thing like primmy though sounds like prima like prima donna to me mm. and so mm. and i was wondering if that was what lbt was getting at oh good thought so i don't know i don't know so i also was thinking about her age because mm. we i don't remember if we get that here or but we definitely get it like maybe in the next scene and we mm-hmm. learned that she's 34 Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so I had to look it up just so you know, she was only 36 when this was filmed huh. in real life. We'll get into her age and all of that, but right. because that comes into play later in the show, but I just needed right. to share that. So th- if she's 34 and he's 19, she's 15 years older than Payne and 10 years older than Julia. 
wait, 10 years younger than Julia. Thank you. Younger. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I confused the crap out of everyone. Julia's only 44? Yeah. That's, I kind of, I did that math from the pageant. The pre, okay. I'm like, don't make me break down the numbers for you or everything will come off. Everything will come apart. <laughs> because she said. Okay, so Julia had him kind of young, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Kind of young by today's standards. Yeah, I think she was probably like 25. But I wanted to talk about that age difference because I don't know, I do, like, you know, a 15 year couple difference. Cause I, I don't know. It's just something to think about, like how far apart that is and a 34 year old versus a 19 year old. Cause they are very different seasons of life. That's, that's the part that strikes me about age differences. I'm not so huge on like worrying about how big of a gap there is between couples because I just think. I don't know. You can just, I really believe you can find love at whatever age. And some people are way more mature than other people at 25 than some people are. Um, But I do feel like 19 and being a college student and being a college professor, I don't know. Those feel like two very different ages to me, two very different life phases. Right. And I have, well, I just sort of kind of like, at least with her being a professor, Not his professor, we wind up learning. But, like, I guess they could talk about school. But I was just sort of, mm -hmm. but I was, what's on your syllabi? Um, But I, and that is a euphemism. I don't know for what, but it is a euphemism. Um, And it's very sexy school talk. But I, I was just trying to think, like, for me in my life, what would I talk to a 19 year old about? And I was like, nothing. Not much. No, except for, have you heard of Designing Women, and would you like to tune into our podcast? Right. (laughs) So, and they'd be like, no, old woman, get away from me. (laughs) Podcast sweet Snapchat now. Okay. Or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't think that helps. (laughs) Um, So, so, uh, Julia and Primrose are like butting heads like immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And she says... Because she comes in, she like announces herself and, and uh, Julia says, yes, and you must be Payne's girlfriend's mother or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. My son's girlfriend's girlfriend's mother. mother. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so she says she doesn't have any children and Julia says, oh, okay. So I see you decided to steal mine. (laughs) (laughs) Julia's laughter throughout this whole episode makes me laugh. Yeah. Cause she's like gone manic. A little manic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've already heard how she feels about her son. So I think this turned her world upside down a little bit. I bet it did. Yeah. My heart went out to her. And so here's the last thing I really wanted to cover. Um, And also, I guess I could ask, Nikki, what would you like to talk about from this scene? God, I'm so selfish. I'm an only child, I think I've talked about plenty. I'm an only child. (laughs) um, But... I know this needs conflict and, and like, so my husband is always and forever being like, Selena, it's a TV show. Every time I bring up like the realistic aspect of something, <laughs> but this uncomfortable meeting could have been solved in so many ways. And I'm sort of angry at everyone involved, not angry, but just like, come on, man. So mm. first of all, why did Payne not give his mother a heads up? Hey, I'm dating a woman who's 14 years older than me. Don't want you to stroke out when I come home. You know, obviously. That doesn't, 
It doesn't feel unbelievable to me. They, as a 19-year-old kid wouldn't say that? Wouldn't really think like my mom. Like, I think he's coming at it from the angle of love can happen at any age. Surely my mom knows that. She'll believe me. She loves me. She just wants me to be happy. Well, I will totally think it on the fact that I'm not sure a 19-year-old, particularly a 19-year-old male, no offense, would, uh, like, it sounds very offensive, um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm like, I do live with a man. I've known him since he was pretty close to 19. So I'm like, that's one man. So it speaks for all of them. <laughs> Sample size. Yes. Can confirm also have known a 19-year-old man. Yes. Um, and I, so I can see them not even thinking about it, honestly. I can also see him not talking to his mom, really. Oh, that's about, true, too. Like, what, what do you really tell your parents? Like, at 19, I certainly didn't tell my parents very much. Don't you take me around the bin, Nikki. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go for it. So, all right, fine. And I, I figured you were going to poke holes in that one. But here's the next one. What about okay. Primrose? If I'm an older woman... What about her, Selena? Yeah, why, yeah, why am I getting so mad at you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. This is just who I am. I'm dramatic also. <laughs> so, but what? why did not Primmy think about saying something or like trying to find out Julia's information and like trying to connect with her or something because she knows she's about to asking, walk in there. Is this you asking this before you watch the whole episode or is this even after you watch the episode, you ask this question. This is after I watched the episode. You met her. She showed her true colors. Oh, that's true. She Actually, no interest. I'm sorry. This was right when this whole scene happened. These are fresh at the time notes. Okay, right. Okay, that's what I thought. That's why I wanted to give you that yeah. opportunity because because I'm thinking yeah, about I, what I would do in a in the real world with a um with a kind person with a person who really cares about the person they're in a relationship with. I could see them at least being prepared that this is going to be a spot of friction with the parents and coming in not defensively, but coming prepared with their talking points, sort of like, here's why I make an excellent partner for your son versus how dare you? Yeah, that's just not something a 30 ish year old person I think would do. Okay, okay, I'll let it go then. I'll let it go. But uh, okay, and then this is my sidewinder. Okay. I know you have a husband and two kids, but just push them to the side for a second. <laughs> All right. Okay. Done. And I'll pretend like I don't have a husband for a second. Would you date a 19-year-old right now? Oh. I know it's hard to imagine. No. Uh, no. <laughs> oh. No, that feels wrong. Okay. Now you know Nikki's real feelings on it. <laughs> <laughs> it feels, I think we've talked a lot um, in the last couple of years about power imbalances and how um, largely we've talked gender power imbalances. Um, but I think there's also been some conversation about age power imbalance and how an older person who is at a different level of maturity than a younger person has... Um, they have a certain amount of power and influence over the younger person that is not totally fair and even. And 19 feels at that age where that that's barely a voting age person. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's barely, you know, like they can't even drink yet. Right. So I don't know. That feels like the line in the stand. 19 feels too young. Yeah. 23? Eh, could be 23 in me. I don't know. <laughs> 
It could be a genetic test. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 19, 19 feels a little young. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm totally with you. I was just curious. <laughs> what if but I, thanks for putting me on the spot. I, I like edited. Well, you have to think of the questions first. <laughs> Or funny if I just edited my answer before it was like, <laughs> hell yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, I would. Oh, no, I wouldn't. No, no that's weird. You're right. The right. power imbalance. <laughs> right. Yes. A power yes. imbalance, you say? No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's not for me. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. Right. Again, not for me, but that's not to say that it doesn't work for some people. And again, people are people and individual people. So not every person would fall into this category of there necessarily being a power imbalance that's unfair and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So that's my blah, blah, blah. For this, for this part of the episode, before I just say a few things about these actors, is there anything mm -hmm. else that struck you? Nikki. Nope, I think we covered it. Okay, and then some. So, yes. 17 hours later, we're about to move on to Act 2. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but I was really quickly going to say, uh, or ask you, actually, so you do know who the actress is, or actor. I'm trying not to say actress anymore. They're actors now. <laughs> but anyways. But which one? <laughs> but seriously, I need to know. Primrose. <laughs> Primrose. What was yes. it that you were thinking of? She was the wife of um, the boss in Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah, you found it. I wanted to be Sorry. able to surprise you with that. But um, when you said you she knew, was so familiar to me. Well, so we recently had a conversation that no one else knows about where we were talking about SNCC. Oh, yeah. I think maybe this was on SNCC for a while, but she did do a voiceover on Ah Real Monsters. Did she really? Mm -hmm. She seems I like she could that. be Oblina, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, I could see that. She's not, but oh. Oh. I, I can't even remember what character it was. But since we were talking about Snick a couple of days That's ago. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. So I did not know that. Right. And I you feel, surprised me. I feel like you have to be maybe a middle to older millennial to know what Snick was. But yeah. it was basically for teens or preteens, really. And it yeah. was Nickelodeon at night before, on like, Nick at night <laughs> so for old so you'd people. have TGIF on ABC on Fridays, and then on Saturday you would have Snick yeah. on Nickelodeon. Right. So um, thank you, because otherwise I was like, I don't, people are going to be like, Snick? I don't, okay. um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe Yeah, my this. grandma's going to be like, I don't, I don't know what Snick is. Um, so, but she <laughs> has... She has also done Broadway, and she's authored a trilogy. So, she, and yeah. she works as a tennis instructor for celebrities in LA. Sometimes, this was on <laughs> this was on IMDb. I don't know. I just thought that was so interesting. Her name is her name is oh, oh Natalia Nagalich. Better you than me. I'm so sorry. It's it's me who is ignorant and cannot pronounce your name. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. You have beautiful hair. Okay. So then Payne is played by George Newbern. Did you recognize him? Oh, yeah. He's from Father of the Bride. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. So, so cute. But also he was in one of my favorite movies from the 80s, which is Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, you know... I may have seen that movie a long time ago. Go ahead and add that to the list. I don't know how we'll make a Southern connection, but we'll do it. 
Um, <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. You should you should definitely watch that. And then he always played like these really sweet characters, and then went on to play an assassin on Scandal uh, with Carrie oh. Washington. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I remember just being like, "This is weird." Like he was like a really mm. rough, like bad guy, but fascinating. Yeah, but I think maybe he had a good twist at the end. But I had a cut on that show. So, did your research unveil that he is actually Southern? Uh, yeah, from Little Rock, Arkansas. There you go. Yeah, uh, he had a, he had almost a very believable Southern accent, oh. just ever so slightly Southern. Yeah, we're gonna. Ha- I guess we'll have to talk about that when we talk we'll about southern disagree. things. Well, I, I I I partially agree with you. That's okay. what I'll say. Uh, table it. And then yeah, uh, table it for hour fifteen. And then also, this is just great. He does a lot of voice work. As of September of last year, he has over three hundred and fifty credits on Audible. What Audible? Yeah, he does have a very nice voice. I just told you. I thought it's very comforting. Yeah. So, but I don't know. That was just so like, it took me aback. And so I needed to share it. I needed to share it with you. I needed to share it with the world. I I get that. Yeah. So those are our actors. So next we find ourselves um, at another part of the house upstairs. First time. Um, Oh, good call. First time we've seen anything but the downstairs, that one little place where they're always gathered. That's true. Good call. That's that's a good call. So they are in a uh, some sort of sitting room or dressing room or bedroom or so. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Anyway, they're having a heart to heart, Julia and Payne. And uh, I think he was maybe uh, chastising her a little bit after her behavior at ma- what sounded like maybe a not so great dinner. Yeah, not so great dinner. And, and it involved her smoking a pipe, I think, to get on Primrose's nerves. So, which <laughs> to do? Th- I'm sad something. that we didn't see that. <laughs> it, yeah, but can't you imagine Julia smoking a pipe? I can. Yeah, yeah, I can actually. And uh, I think maybe it was a little bit of that. Uh, I Payne's father's passed away, her husband, and I wonder if that wasn't mm-hmm. like some kind of like move that a dad does, you know, trying to protect oh, right. the daughter. So we keep we were talking about this mother son daughter father relationship dynamic and so maybe she's taking on a little bit of that role in her husband's stead like what are your intentions with my son you liberated woman call you know so i you know (laughs) it could be i'm not sure well I think part of their, you say liberated woman, which is funny to me because part of their conversation is uh, something we didn't touch on with the entrance to, into the house because there was just so much else to talk about. But Primmy sort of in, implied that she and Payne would be sharing a bed slash bedroom and Julia was over my dead body sort of yes. response. Um, and so this, when we find ourselves upstairs with them talking, they're launching into a conversation about Primmy wanting them to share a bed. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because what we're really seeing and hearing is Julia's more traditional side brought out by her son. Yes. And he says, Primmy is a very liberated woman. And Julia says, Darling, I think you have liberated confused with uncouth, which I thought was very. It was funny. funny. And it's more of what we were talking about in the first act of the show, which is basically. It's all well and good, and these are my values until this affects something in my life that is just a bridge too far. Right. So, right. I mean, it's consistent in its inconsistency, <laughs> but uh, right. but that's how people are. 
that is real, in, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think another thing here that we get that's interesting is um, they, ha- they really start to talk a lot about Payne's dad. Yeah. Really for the first time, I think, so far in the series. Right. And it's probably because who else would ha- have that conversation? I mean, maybe Suzanne, but I don't know that Mary Jo or Charlene knew like this like an intimate side would have like this kind of right. a conversation. And we are only on episode yeah. four. So, uh, right. you know, but like, apparently the big thing that they talked about was the fact that this might be something that he learned from his dad based on his conversation yeah. because he dated yeah. an older woman. And it was, it was life changing for him. It, that must be hard for Julia. They didn't play that side up much, Uh but, like, it would be difficult, I feel like, to hear something from, like, my child that was, like, intimate, but you didn't know about it, but they did. Um, Like, I don't, not like I couldn't get over it, but I think it would have stung me, like, a little bit. It's hard to say. I kind of, part of me being both a wife and a parent, I do think that there's something kind of nice about your child having, um, having that sort of relationship with their parent, like their other parent and being able to have those conversations where they're learning to be a person from that other person. So, um, like in the case of a son and a father where he's learning how to be a strong man and hopefully a good man or whatever the virtues that their family want to instill into their son, he's learning that from his dad. And so there was something, I don't know, there was something kind of cool about the fact that they had this, and it tells you a lot about Payne's relationship Uh with them, that they had such a relationship that they got to a point where his dad felt like he could almost confide in his son in a way and share this lesson, which was sort of like, almost like try it is what I took away from it. Like, give it a go. It was, I did it once and it was kind of fun for me. Um, and so I, I don't know that I would have been hurt by that as, as the wife. Um, I don't think I would have been, I think it would have kind of just been one of those things where it's like, Oh, well you guys had that conversation. That was, that was your yeah. thing. And I, well, I don't think it's something that I feel like I would just never get over, but, and I would not say anything right. to them. Again, this is me as a non-parent, like trying to imagine how I would react in the situation. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do, I can see how it would be touching for him to no longer be there and also be really, really, really thankful that they had reached that level of intimacy with each other. That might be a horrible yeah. word, but I mean like a, like in a, a familial kind of way, you know? Yeah. Um, because I think that would be really scary because he is so young if they had been like yeah. distant from each other or something. And maybe that yeah. gave Julia some kind of comfort. Um, yeah, I think we're so. a lighthearted show. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> also, these aren't yeah. real people. Uh, all good points. But I thought he had some kind of funny lines in here too, which was basically like, well, the, just sort of saying that dad said, if you find someone who can give you half the sex life me and your mom had, then y'all are in for one of the finest things in life. That was, I don't know. I would have said that to my mom. <laughs> so my notes uh, on this section say, uh, then Payne tells Julia that her late husband dated an older woman once long before Julia. 
And he shared a few other things with pain, too. Oh, like I could have just stopped short and not gone on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. But my point was there. Yeah, there were some definitely some conversations that happened between father and son that, yeah, I'm not sure that's something that he, he needed to convey. Yeah, that's a good but they they needed to because Julia didn't get to hear that otherwise, maybe from her husband. So partly the show needed to do it. And what better messenger than your son? Right. Don't worry, right. baby. The sex was great. <laughs> but again, to get to your point, maybe his son was the only person he ever really got that close yeah. with that wasn't Julia that he could say right. that to. And maybe that is someone special that could tell her. You know, this this gift that was her, obviously her marriage for so many years, it truly was a gift to both of them. And it meant a lot to her husband and, as well. And the only reason she knows that is now that her son told her. So agreed, maybe not the best messenger, but maybe the most obvious right. one for the show. And purposes. I think for the for the purposes of this scene, we see the closeness of their relationship and we see that yeah. they walk away and they're OK. I, I think that's what we're yeah. meant to get out of this. So yeah. we're down but things are things are not okay as they that's true yeah and i i think maybe it's the next morning or a few days later it's not she seems so aggravated i'm unclear if they've been there a little bit longer or not or she also seemed to know a little bit about her routine so either primrose is talking about it or a lot a lot or she is just so fed up with this woman that the one mention of her routine and this is like a thing uh Maybe yes to both of those. That's, to all yeah, of those. it could definitely be that they've been there a couple of days now and also she's ready to kill her. So I think what really cracked me up, obviously the show is doing this on purpose and um, LB, now I can't remember I say, I, was, I can get, now all I want to say is BLT, but um, I'm like, mm, a sandwich. Uh LBT obviously set this up on purpose, right? Julia throws herself in the chair and she's like, some people are so dramatic, you know? <laughs> that was the, I, I referenced that earlier. That was very much the pot meat kettle sort of situation. Yeah, for and me. they didn't, they didn't rub it in our face as the audience. I think it was really subtle. So yeah. you joined our podcast so we can rub it in your face now. <laughs> At yes, length. we like to explain jokes because that's what makes jokes funny. But again, like for my point at the beginning, oh my God, he's dating his mother. It's more of that. Right. So she's also right, on exactly. top of being very like la 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 la. Like that's how I, you guys can't see me, but I'm waving around and I'm fancy. <laughs> I wish we had video evidence she, of that. She's very like Cruella Deville, you know? Like I yeah. want to picture one of those yeah. long cigarette holders and she's just like in her furs. Mm. But you know, that's whatever but she's none of those things happen (laughs) that's a different podcast she's just taking lavender bath no she's not because there is no lavender (laughs) she's trying julia didn't make it to the 7-eleven she's she's very aggravated julia is because this woman takes a morning bath i mean i feel like i would put my morning bath on hold (laughs) when you're at somebody else's house maybe like would you maybe also put on hold asking your 19-year-old boyfriend to braid your hair? Because Primmy didn't. It's so fantastic. 
I, this whole thing is so fantastic. So eg exactly, Julia's flailing around. She's very upset. She's being very dramatic about everything. Even Suzanne is like a voice of reason. This is how you know, like the, the writer is trying to tell us, Julia is like not with us any longer. Because Suzanne is like, don't you want to calm it down, lady? <laughs> you know, Mary Jo, like, because eventually, to your point, Primmy cannot take her morning bath because there's no lavender. So she comes right. down to join them. She's tossing her hair around. She's in like, even her robe looks kind of uptight. I don't know. She's wearing high heel slippers. I also wouldn't wear my robe downstairs with my in-laws. No. Definitely I, not. That's a hard pass yeah, for me. Yeah, only the person, only person that gets that joy is is my husband. <laughs> also, should mention my robe is a big fluffy right. robe. There's nothing. Yeah, there's like a hole it. in it. Like <laughs> toothpaste. Right. Well, I guess depending on where the hole is, maybe it does get sexier. <laughs> but not in my household. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Primmy didn't have any of yeah, those Yeah, it's problems. like a silk Primmy robe. Had a silk robe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there's no bath. She comes down there. She joins them. Like, she's try She's not doing a good job, but I think she is trying to connect with Julia, but just in these really dumb ways. Like, to your point, oh, I can't do a thing until he comes, until he wakes up because he loves braiding my hair. And I'm like, ew, just <laughs> don't. <laughs> Don't do that. It just was, my notes there say, pain braids Primmy's hair, which is dot, 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 nothing. <laughs> I mean, Something even if I would not tell my friends that, like, I would tell yeah. no one that. Like, that is, I don't know why there's something about that that's so intimate to me. I would have rather heard about her strategically placed hole in her robe. <laughs> it's just so terrible. Then they, we, she gives this really weird story about how they met. She's comparing him to, and I'm assuming either quoting her own poetry, which is even worse, or Lord Byron's. I am not familiar with Lord. I can't quote Lord Byron, okay? No. I'm not that level of literary snob. So, sorry. If you can quote Lord Byron, awesome. Come on the show. Um, but <laughs> I just was like, okay, you're just doing a horrible job here. <laughs> Stop it. And, um, and then, and then that's when basically Julia snaps. She yeah. loses it. She can't, she can hold it in no right. longer. And I think she says what's on all of our minds. Don't you? At that point, mm -hmm. she looks at her after some whole big long spiel and she goes, I think you're full of crap. <laughs> and I really love Charlene's <laughs> reaction there. <laughs> She, <laughs> well, you held it in as long That's as you right. could. And I almost feel like that could be like an interaction between you and me. <laughs> you did the best you could for as long you as really, you could. You I'm really tried. You. <laughs> so. The only thing from the scene that we didn't mention uh, that I thought was really funny because we mentioned earlier Julia's maniacal laughter is when she calls um, Primmy Prissy. And says, I don't know why I'm having so much trouble with your name. What if I just call you, hey, you? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was really something. It was just watching her crack in front of us was really it, funny. It was, especially because she's always so 
I mean, she obviously goes off on people, but she, even when she does that, so polished and perfect. So polished. Yeah. And yeah. it was just, I'm just telling you, she loves her son. She does. That's very Yeah, this obvious. woman's made a nut of her a little bit. So, and you know what? We're here for it. So in the next scene, we're back upstairs, this time maybe in like a very fancy library of some kind, some kind of nice place, which maybe the other half of the room that we were seeing in the last scene. I don't know. I'm not unclear. Well, it's just not clear. Unclear. It also really doesn't matter that much. Anywho, uh, it seems like Payne and Primmy are getting ready to leave. Primmy is taking some things out to the car, um, getting some things packed. So I can't remember now what it was, but they're getting ready to leave. And Julia apologizes, sort of. <laughs> she basically says, I'll try to do better. To which I was thinking, is there going to be another time for which you could do better? <laughs> like, if I come home with this disastrous come home where they're just like clearly not doing well i'm not sure i would really push the two of them together again that so that's a fair point but also i just wonder in her mind if like this is going to be over in five seconds anyway because of information we're about to get yeah I, i'm not sure so they have this very sweet mother-son moment where she tells pain just how much he means to her and I'll be vulnerable here and say, I got misty during this part, which is kind of unexpectedly, kind of not. But she says to him, you know, like, you're the first thing that ever intimidated me. I didn't know anything about babies, certainly not little boys. And she describes that moment that I think every parent experiences um, or that most parents experience that moment where someone hands you this creature and says, like, best right. of luck, figure it, it out has to live. And you're Right. So you're looking and she, uh, the way she puts it, like she's looking at his booties and she's looking at maybe like his little sweater and she's thinking like, I hope I can get these on him so that they think I can take him home. And that just made me, I don't know, that made me really misty. I, you know, I think about taking both my kids home and that kind of, even as a second time parent, that moment when you realize like, okay, now I'm responsible. <laughs> like now I've got to go take care of this thing. And she just tells him, you know, how much he means to her and how proud of him she is. And that was just really sweet. It was me. well done. It was well done. And they're, sweet. they're sewing it up pretty well there. I, I, uh, again, I do think that's something that's going to hit a parent in a little bit of a different way, but I do think it was yeah. well written. Uh, I was, I, <laughs> this will just show you like my more pragmatic side. I was like, is this the same day? Because she's in a different outfit. So are they trying to tell us <laughs> that like, she does like outfit changes, wardrobe changes in the middle of the day. She was wearing like a power purple and now she's in like a saucy red. So this is like where my head was at. I, I'm just trying to be honest. I'm over, here. <laughs> I'm over here thinking like, how sweet. Oh my gosh, babies. You're like outfit changes. <laughs> she changed into her power suit is what happened because she was preparing for what happens next. It was a, it's a showdown. As Primmy comes in and ruins this lovely moment me and Julia and Payne were having. <laughs> and she How just dare she? swoops in and she says, oh, I hope I'm not interrupting. She definitely Oh, she was. gave us the 80s, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> right. Definitely. Definitely. She asks to have a word alone with Julia. Um, but we can see Payne sort of leave the room, but he stays just outside the room. And then the claws come out. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, I felt like this could have gone either way. 
before it started out, I was like, maybe she's just going to be like, I just want to level with you. Can we just get along? I really care about your son. Yada, yada, yada. And none of that happened. Huh. Yeah. In my. You thought that could have gone In my rating, I'll go into why. I was hoping that would happen. Okay. But obviously that does not happen. And instead, she tells Julia exactly what she thinks of her. I wrote some of this down. Do you have any of it? Because I want okay. some of it. You go ahead. You, you go first. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. Are, do you want to toss this back and forth a few more times for the listener? <laughs> no. You go. No. I'll, you go. I, That's I, also Southern. And very just <laughs> female. <laughs> so, okay. So Primrose, she tells Julia she thinks she's pompous, insufferable, narrow-minded, and overbearing. She's the worst kind of mother, clingy and manipulative. And if she doesn't watch what she's doing, she'll fix it where he doesn't see her at all if she keeps pushing. And then she goes into this thing about, also, my age seems to be of great concern to you. So we get Mm -hmm. all of that. So I'll say the first part I didn't hate. Because Julia sometimes, I think, needs a little taste of her own medicine. And that seems very much in line with the sort of thing Julia would say. When we got to clingy and manipulative and threatening to take her son away from her, that's where I felt like we got a little, a little over the line. Like, it's kind of okay to say, you've been a little arrogant this whole time. You've been maybe not so kind to me. So, right. And, and I do think it's okay to stand up for yourself. I, I think that what really struck me, and I agree with what you're saying, but also is... They're doing that thing that I feel like people are really vulnerable of doing, which is, I don't think that was the right word, but they tend to do, which is basically, I can see you, but I can't see myself. And so I, mm-hmm. the reason right. I wrote all of those words down is because I actually wanted to go back through those and I was like, pompous? Okay, but Primrose mm-hmm. is pompous. Check. Insufferable? I think Check. we got some insufferability down there on the couch. Narrow-minded, we don't necessarily get that. I, but I yeah. also kind of don't expect a professor to be. But so, but overbearing, I think we're getting hints mm. of that. And then we definitely get some manipulation of pain, yes. and we see that a little bit in the scene, or she's trying and failing to do it. So yeah. I just felt like it was very like, like I said, I could see you, but I can't see me. But I feel like they're both doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes. then uh, we hear from Julia. And what did she do that day? She gave a call. Well, to she the, called a friend at the university. She sure did. I wish they had said what university. I don't know if you thought that or not. I really wanted them to. Yeah. I, I was just so curious if it was from somewhere nearby. I guess it was because they drove. Right. And it, I guess theoretically they could have driven from the That airport. would have been a nice detail, though. Yeah. <sighs> Get it Maybe together, later. designing women. Yeah, just redo it. Come on. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and from this friend of the university, this is standard behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what she's known yeah. for. Uh, a fling. She takes her She takes her a fling every fall. A fall fling, if you will. <laughs> a fall fling. And it's someone who's usually about 20. And so we hear mm-hmm. from Julia, and she is not going to idly sit by idly. It's just got so many different syllables in there. She's not going to sit idly by (laughs) and watch somebody use her son for their temporary enjoyment. Uh, And I wanted, and I did write all this down because I thought this was kind of great. Because she's, because then we hear Primrose say, "What exactly do you mean?" 
<laughs> and she says, I mean, we're going to take this to the woodshed and one of us is not coming back alive. Interpain. <laughs> uh, he knew there was about to be blood. He, he fe- I was going to say, he felt like that was a really good time to come in. Did someone say death <laughs> and murder? Maybe this is... Maybe I can help defuse the situation. I've let this go on too long. <laughs> Look at him. Such a grown-up. And that's what I think he's trying to say here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he comes in, and it turns out good old Payne, as he says, knew all about those fall flings. He wanted to check that out for himself. Good on him. Or... Kind of gross, but okay. He also knows she's 41, which is not quite, I think, math again, a full decade older than she was positioning herself to be. Yep. Um, But I just, I think he just manned up in such a big way in this scene and says, like, nobody comes between me and my family. I was so impressed by that. I, I, I think so. And I too. think the rest of the women in the room were too. <laughs> and we also see here's what I felt that I, I felt like was really interesting. Uh, the apple is not falling far, for, far from the tree. He comes in mm-hmm. and he does a pain takedown instead of a Julia yes, takedown. Yes, that's true. Good you know, point. He quiets her, she listens, and then he just lets her know like he's not even, re- he's not mean. He's just matter mm-hmm. of fact. Mm-hmm. Right. He was super mature about the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. I will tell you one thing that bothered me about this scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Earlier, we were talking about power dynamics. You know, when you said you would not date a 19-year-old right now. Kyle, be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> just let him know. Like, just play, play that, that part tonight. for him. Uh, You're welcome, baby. I wouldn't date a 19-year-old. 23? Maybe. You're so lucky. I'm still working out the line in the sand. It's important to think things through, you know? But the one thing that sort of, (laughs) in talking about power dynamics, and you were saying, like, that power dynamic would not be fair, right? Because you've got more experience, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. It felt a little, and I will say gendered to me, that even though he's still a baby, Basically, he was able to come in and quiet two women and be like, look, look, I'm putting a line in the sand. And so, like, I respected everything that he said, but I think it also gives us a little snapshot of even though he's a baby at the end of the day, those power dynamics can shift pretty quickly. And especially in the 80s. That's a good point. Uh, So that just sort that just sort of hit me in a certain kind of way again even though I thought what he said was totally appropriate and very mature. Uh, but ultimately, she scurries out to the car. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. I think, like, his mom was impressed by it. I think Primmy was kind of like, are you giving me a choice? And he was like, no, I'm, you, you're going to make a choice one way or the other. And it's kind of up to you what you want to do. And she sort of seemed impressed. She was like, oh, well. I'll be in the car. Don't take too long. So I think uh, Julia was obviously very proud of him. Uh, but I think Primmy might have also seen that maybe there's something to maybe having a more mature relationship as well. Oh, that's a good takeaway. I like that. Uh, you know, but so is there anything else you want to talk about about up there before we move downstairs? 
No, I think Okay, so they're basically ushering, and by they, I mean Mary Jo, Suzanne, and Charlene, they're all ushering Primmy out. And I think I think we're just sort of this is sort of letting us know who Mary Jo is. I don't have a problem with it. I part of me is like, gosh, I don't I can't decide if I hate this or if I'm like, uh, this is something I would say um, if I was really annoyed <laughs> by something like where I just couldn't help myself. But basically, she's just like, drop us a line if you find somebody your own age out the door. <laughs> um, I didn't do her accent justice, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> She held it in as long as she and could. And her and Julia usually align on things. And yeah. she's also seen yeah. and made it very clear how she feels about somebody coming in to steal her baby. So I think she's mm-hmm. seeing a little bit down the road for Quint. Quince? What? Qu- oh. Uh-oh. Mm. I don't know. We'll learn that one next time he's We're featured. not experts. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in this episode. Right. And then just to kind of wrap this thing up... They they love on pain one more time. We're like so much hugging. I think it's in this post pandemic world. I'm like, stop touching each other. Yeah. It gives you the heebie jeebies, right? No? But then it comes together, that whole age thing, you know, because mm. and Julia's really proud of him because he looked at her license and that's how he knew that she was forty one yeah. and not thirty four. Just taking it back to that conversation at the very beginning that we were talking about and then now. Just want to say again, that actor was 36 in real life. And I also want to say, I think one of the reasons they aged her up a little bit is they like really made her very slicked back. I think Mm -hmm. if they had her in something a little younger looking and let her hair like flow instead of putting it back in that really like, I don't know, like almost Lilith like bun from like Mm -hmm. Cheers Mm -hmm. and Frasier, I think she would look a little younger. Um, but I think yeah. they also wanted her to look professorial, maybe. Yeah. doesn't really matter. She's a liar. Right. That's what I took away right. from it all. And with that, <laughs> the show is over. So I'm my new thing here is just going to be like, you want to rate this sucker? So <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. It's terrible, but I'll have to come up with something different. It might take me a while. But <laughs> let's rate this thing. Let's rate this. Let's do a rating. I, I don't know. Are you creating your theme music on the fly? Rate, rate, rate. Let's do rates, rates, rates. Let's do rates, rates, rates. How about a rate? <laughs> I'm going to save you from yourself and say, how about we rate it, Selena? How, how would you rate this one? I would rate it three out of five morning baths. Oh, mm-hmm. morning baths with lavender or no? There's no lavender. Gosh, that no. would that pushes up to a four, I think. Sure, you know, I see. Because it, it really makes a bath special in 86. I so see. here's why. I like the contrast and comparison between Julia and Primrose. And I like the way that the script subtly poked fun, like at their similarities. Mm-hmm. I also like that they're bringing in more outside characters to interact with our main cast. I mean, we're getting outside characters just about every time, but I think it's really helping us understand who our main characters Mm -hmm. are. And I think that's a more interesting way for us to learn about them. If I'm going to put on my rose-colored 1980s (laughs) Ray-Bans or just 1980s rose-colored glasses, (laughs) it probably was 
it probably was ahead of the time for them to build a plot around a relationship between an older woman and a younger man. Mm-hmm. So I sort of said that from the jump. But if I'm going to put on my 2021 Google Glass, like, is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know why you would ask me. I if I'm going to put on my VR headset, <laughs> I don't go. know. That's a Any- thing. If I'm going to climb into my self-driving car, also a thing. I know these are real things. As one does when they're reviewing television shows. I like to drive and watch television at the same time. Because that's the kind of world I'm living in today. So, but anyways, if if we're looking at it through like 2021 lens, it feels like a missed opportunity somehow to call out the bias of it, or excuse me, to not call out the bias of it being acceptable for older men to date younger women Instead, Mm. we do this kind of like other side of the coin thing, but then we completely villainize this woman. And so. But she was a villain. You called her Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille. But she did that. Like, she wrote the character that way, right? So to me, it just felt like a, a little bit of a missed opportunity, but it's much more entertaining this way. Like this is why I don't write shows because it would just be one long educational. Like, (laughs) can't we all just see everyone in a different light? Those always make for great shows. So don't listen to me. I'm just telling you, that's my rating. Three out of five morning baths. How about you? Uh, I'm going to give this one a four out of five. Oh, and I'll okay. go with your morning bath scale. I will tell it's like the mother, the mother son dynamic uh, and just the, the really tender moments between the two of them. Just anytime I cry, it's really going to seal the deal for me. I'm a big crier, but um, okay. it's just I don't know. It's very sweet. I, I loved getting to see that protective side of Julia and showing just showing you how complex people are. You don't have to be I think you mentioned this earlier. You don't have to be in a box and one kind of person you get to be a complicated um uh person with many sides and i feel like that's what we got to see from julia in this episode which i really liked i also just like you can't introduce introduce the guy from uh father of the bride and not get a good solid rating from me he was adorable he was sweet. He was polite. I just, I, I don't know. I loved him. So I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was lighthearted. I think to your point there, yes, there probably were some missed opportunities, but I felt like it was starting to kind of really hit its stride. And I just, I thought even Suzanne had some really funny lines at the beginning, which I liked. Um, so I enjoyed the episode a lot. Oh, I guess I could like say that. I did enjoy the episode. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, you gave it a three. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just uh, wanted to give kind of like I had two sides of that coin. Yeah. And uh, but I also what people cannot see as you were talking is I'm nodding my head. And I definitely agree with the things that you're saying and particularly him. I just love him. And I do think it's very much so like the nostalgia. Yeah. uh, Building up for me a little bit there. Uh, So, Yeah. Well, that's episode four in the books in terms of a rating anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so 80s things, Southern things. We got quite a few. There, there was a lot of 80s stuff. I didn't catch quite so much Southern stuff because 
I had a lot of Southern criticisms of how it wasn't Southern. He didn't say miss and whatever. Mm. Uh, but there were a lot of pop culture references in those first, like, I don't know, five to eight minutes of the show. A lot. Some of them that I, rec- I obviously I recognized on like name, uh, but I did have to do a little bit of a quick and dirty deep dive to make sure I was kind of understanding what they were referencing. Did you well, did you catch those? Well, I, I think I tell me which ones that you're. Tell me which ones you're thinking of. We'll the see. way I do things is very fly by the seat of my pants and just make a real quick list. So my quick list is Jerry Lee Lewis was uh-huh. a reference that I feel like must have been of the time. Uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, Deliverance. Those are all Southern references. Yes. I, I feel like Jerry Lee Lewis was not of the time. Because he was a musician and like the... He, like. He had a Great comeback. Balls of Fire wasn't that like the sixties? Oh well, he yeah, you did a dip. Di- you did a dip dive. I a did dip a dip dive. Dive. <laughs> Adobe dip. <laughs> he had a comeback. Okay. Yeah, uh, he found success after his career floundered a bit, and he he toured quite a bit through oh. the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Oh, okay. Uh, incidentally, I don't know if this is the place to drop this, but I will anyway. So uh, the thing about Jerry Lee Lewis is he married his thirteen-year-old cousin. It derailed his career. The reason I bring that up is because his 13-year-old cousin, wife, lives in Duluth right down the road from us. Oh, She's really? She's a realtor. She goes by Myra something Williams, I feel like. Um, so you might, I think I've seen her signs up around us. So That's crazy. Fun fact. Um, but so those were the, the huh. quick references I caught. I also caught um, Bobby Ewing. Uh, which I knew to be a reference to Dallas, only in passing. I've never actually seen Dallas. Uh, but I had to quickly look that up just to make sure that it was Dallas. I have to double check myself sometimes. Patrick Duffy, the dad from Step by Step. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. that was nice. And that that, son, that kind of um, shows our age. Yeah. Well, so, we did that earlier with Snick, too. <laughs> right. But if you're someone who is like our parents' age, you would remember him from Dallas. Right. And we remember him from Step by Step. And then everybody else goes, who? <laughs> so I'm just, it's younger. Not everybody else in the world. I'm just saying, like, I don't know right. that someone who is like 10 years younger than us would really know. Right. Not that Patrick Duffy isn't a wonderful gentleman. I'm, I'm sure he is. Julia also compared uh, Primmy to Grandma Moses. And I had to look that up because I just I hear that phrase all the time. I use that phrase myself, but I wasn't totally sure where it came from and what it meant. Did you look Mm -hmm. it up as well? I did not look it up. She was a very lovely folk artist who began painting at the age of 78. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you already knew that. Well, I knew that she was an artist. Oh. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, And then the last thing I caught was Captain Steubing. And I, again, oh, I've never seen boat. The Love Boat, mm-hmm. uh, but I talk about Captain Steubing because I know of, I just think the name is funny, first of all, right. <laughs> I'm very big into funny names, uh, but also I just kind of know that like greeting on a cruise ship sort of thing. Okay. Those are my we're quick sti- and dirty 80s references. We're still in, the, I, some of these mix, right? I did. I, just I actually, threw them all in there. I'm not as worried as you just are. Just some of the, the whatever's mix. I'm not, yeah. you, you can mix it up. Mix it up. I'm not worried about that. I was I was pointing out the fact that Dallas for me was one that I put as an overlap because it's oh, in Dallas. Sure. So I, I may have overthought that one a little bit. So yeah, we both uh pulled that one um we both pulled that one out as things that we were like, hey, uh 
I had one. Hey, that's a thing. Hey. <laughs> You're so good at this, Selena. You should start a podcast. Like, sometimes you just talk and no one wants to listen. Another uh, 80s mention for me was actually Sweet and Low. Oh, yeah, yeah. They say saccharin, but I'm right. seeing the pink stuff and the little... And that was something that was the very first line of the show. Yeah. And so I just had to tell you this one thing that I thought that was crazy because, of course, I stupidly went and looked up something about saccharin because <laughs> we she says that thing. I, yeah, it's so exciting because she says, I, I just can't decide whether I want to be uh, fat or infertile. And so <laughs> and, sterile. Oh, that's what it's sterile. sterile. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Which I feel like is what you say when you talk about the test rats. I don't know that I would apply that to humans. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I thought she was like referring to all the health problems that come from like, or that used to be associated with saccharin. Yeah. They thought was a problem. And so I mean, the whole reason I looked was dumb in the first place, but here's what I learned. <laughs> it was discovered, <laughs> excuse me, in the late 1800s at, John Johns Hopkins University by a young chemist who was working on coal tar derivatives. Mm. Sounds about and, right. And from that, we got saccharin. And it's basically because the dude went home and didn't wash his hands one night. <laughs> his fingers. Well, he t like grabbed some bread and then he was like, mm, this bread oh, is so God. sweet. Oh, and and that's how we got our first non-toxic artificial sweetener. Gross. I'm waiting for my moment to shine where I accidentally taste test something and, and find the most wonderful sweetener in the world that's totally calorie-free. Well, that's fine because I'm waiting for you to tell me it was because you were researching coal tar derivatives in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, Nikki, you really can do it all. <laughs> She's like pay it, playing the piano and like she's taking care of both of her kids with the other hand. She's like running our team at work. And then she's like, and in my spare time, I'm researching these coal tar derivatives. <laughs> I'm definitely not doing that. Just trying to save the planet or something. I guess that's why you would do it now. I don't really, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm like, I don't know what a coal tar derivative <laughs> is. All just I know thinking is, that. Uh, yeah. All I know is I don't want to eat one. Right. So, I'll wash my hands. Yeah. Other 80s things are actually set in this very house because we do get that first snapshot of upstairs. Mm -hmm. Everything in Julia's like little, I don't know if that's like, there's got to be some Southern term that I'm not thinking of for that little room. It's, it's a like, sitting room. Uh, the sit The sitting room. So those flower patterns on the curtains and the ottoman looks like a pin cushion. You've got that mauve pink chair and rug. The Tiffany blue walls, which actually, like, by themselves, I would have liked the wall color. I don't know. It just seemed like peak 80s to me because my first... Go ahead. All things I didn't notice. Oh. <laughs> That's why it takes two. It's true. It takes two. But I'm I crying saw it... over pain and Julia. I couldn't handle the wallpaper. It's emotionally, all... I was unstable. All I could look at were the walls. <laughs> I couldn't handle the emotions. <laughs> so I was looking at the flower patterns. And then um, that kitty vest that Mary Jo was wearing at the beginning. Oh, <laughs> missed it. You need to, 
I'll go, go back, back and, and check that one out. Please do. I don't know what was happening there. But it was like a kitty cat and then another one on the left-hand side. And it was like playing with yarn. I'm waiting for you to be like, Selena, that was the scene of the manger. <laughs> <laughs> Please put on your glasses. <laughs> but I, I think it was a kitty cat. Two kitty cats. I don't I'll know. Now that. I need you. Uh, yeah, I need you to look back. <laughs> you should check that out. Yeah. And write up a full report on those kitty cats. I assign myself the report, so it's fine. So Southern stuff, I'm not going to stay on it for long. Payne's accent. I actually, I thought it was like kind of coming in and out. And I just thought with, but then I did on rewatches hear a little bit of the, a lilt. Like me. A little lilt. Um, (laughs) But I just figure with someone who's, mom has that thick of an accent. How does he not have a little bit more of one? But one day you're going to hear my mom's and you're going to be like, Selena, your argument was stupid because she's very Southern. And I am sick. Don't you, don't you look out of the corner of your eyes. When you hear how, when you hear how Southern my mom is, you will be like, Selena has no accent. Uh You just wait. Okay. You just wait. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I got to get my mom's accent in here. Stat. Um, she'll love this introduction, by the way, too. I'm like, my mom is so country. She's not really country sounding, though, to me. She sounds just like almost like that kind of Charleston, Savannah, Southern. Oh. Um, so other things I thought that were Southern because there was something else. Oh, 7-Eleven. There's no 7-Elevens in Georgia. Oh, really? No. It's not yeah. thin. Not now, not ever. Apparently, I don't eat gas station food because that didn't even register in my head. Whereas, oh, excuse me, high and mighty. <laughs> a restaurant, I'd be like, that's not right. 7-Eleven, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Good well, point. I double checked because I was like, 7-Eleven. But this goes back to your point that you made in, in Nikki's nibbles, which is basically nibbles. what you were saying was like, the reason in the episode one they used Fridays and not like the varsity is people outside of Atlanta, even though that is a very famous place, may not be as familiar with it. And they'd have to think about it a little right. bit, whereas the varsity, it'll click for them a little bit more. Fridays. Thank you. Good Lord. What even am I saying anymore? 7-Eleven on the other, it's kind of the same thing. The, Maybe something else that would have been a gas station around here at the time it may have not clicked as fast for sure. people. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I, I, I think we should point it out, but we'll also give them a little breathing room as well. Yeah, good point. So those were the 80s and the Southern things in this one, I think. So that wraps us up on this one. I, I think that wraps us up. Anything about social media that we want to... Sure. Yeah. I think um, people can follow us on Instagram as always at sweet tea and TV hashtag sweet tea TV. Our website is www.sweetteatv.com. And as always, I'm just going to say sweet tea TV again. As always, you can email us at sweet tea TV pod at gmail.com. And next time we're going to cover episode five. And episode five. I don't know if this is a spoiler. It's called Mary Jo's First Date. Because oh. Hulu kept trying to tell me to move along as I tried to watch this episode multiple times. <laughs> Are you sure you need to watch this again? Yes, it's research. Don't judge you don't, me. You don't understand me or my process, Hulu. 
<laughs> so, join well, us next time. And we'll, is that what you're going to say? Uh, yes. <laughs> We're also not in the same room. This is like your weekly reminder. We're and we have audio issues. We have audio issues. <laughs> so sorry. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Well, it's that time again, Nikki. It's that time for extra sugar. Now, we have reached an hour and a half at this podcast, so we may be the only ones to ever hear extra sugar. But here we are. Will you go on this journey with me? I'm ready, Selena. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm hungry, Selena. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nikki and I are secretly, we haven't said this, but I think we're both trying to figure out soft snacks. <laughs> How am I going to eat while I talk? It's never yeah. really stopped me before. It just feels right. extra intimidating with the mic. Right. So I entitled this segment, <clears throat> Let's Talk About Hicks, Baby. <laughs> Let's Talk About Rednecks, Too. Let's talk about Billy's from the Hills and what they do. Let's talk about Hicks. That's so nice. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Obviously, that's to the let's talk about Hicks, baby. But I started to make a thing and it was too hard. So <laughs> you guys, if y'all really enjoy the jingles, well, you're not looking at her, but your ladies over there. <laughs> I don't understand why you feel like you need to clarify if they enjoy the jingles. Oh, I well, you're we well. I definitely they enjoy, enjoy the jingles. I'm just trying not to put my emotions and my love on other people. When it comes to my personal jingles, we put it all over people. Do we just decided to do that. <laughs> do, you, do you hear yourself? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> love my jingles. Uh, well, okay, all right. Let's cut this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll take it out in post. I'm just kidding. Nikki will. I'm just kidding. We're leaving it in. I don't know. Because <laughs> I can't figure out how to fix it. Did I tell you all my AC's off? <laughs> Anyways. So here's why you're with this. And here's why I'm throwing words at you like hick and redneck and hillbilly. And you're wondering, why are you saying these words at me? Well, here's why. You may remember that part of Sweet Tea and TV is not only to recap designing women, but also is two Southerners. We're going to talk about what they got right, what they got wrong, and how that compares to today. So with that in mind, we hear a really interesting conversation up top. Do we not? It's very mm -hmm. short. Yeah. It's very short. But the gist is Suzanne calls Charlene's parents Hicks because of their names, Norvell. Okay, first of all, I said that really weird. It's more like Norval. 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 Nor That's a fancy name because of their names Norval and Dot. And then she also goes on and she compares her people, quote unquote, to coal miner's daughter because everybody gets married right out of junior high and deliverance because, well, she's seen it. So... I, I don't know. Conceptually, Nikki, you know, I think 
I think they nailed a few things. I guess I'm when I'm saying they, I guess I'm talking about the show as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they they nailed a few things on the head here that are true to my Southern experience, and I'm I'm curious to hear what you think. But here's my basic thoughts on the okay. matter. Okay, so everywhere you are, everywhere you go, someone always thinks they're better than someone else. That is not unique to the South, but it's definitely a thing in the South, uh, and in Georgia specifically, because obviously that's what we could speak to. I feel like that dividing line is often your proximity to Atlanta. Mm. So what I mean by that is the closer you are, the more worldly you are. The further away you are, the more country you are. Mm -hmm. You guys can't see, but country is in quotation marks. So, um, you know, so much so, you know, there's these specific stereotypes linked to the suburbs for us. Mm -hmm. Like north of the city has a certain stereotype with it. Mm -hmm. South of the city has a certain stereotype with it, with southern suburbs considered more backwards. And I know because I grew up there. Mm. Um, And so I don't, you know, I don't know. Does any of that ring true for you or am I out here on a limb by myself? Which is fine. (laughs) If I just left you alone. (laughs) You just like didn't say anything else. No idea what you're talking about. This idiot. Yeah, I think that's true. I think um, I think everything you're saying is true. I do feel like there's a buffer that's the suburbs, and we're just considered sort of, and I say we because that's where we live. We're just considered kind of cookie cutter, and like everyone's lawn looks the same. And then once you exit the suburbs, you enter the quote unquote country. Um, That that's how it feels in Atlanta to me. So I feel like we uh, we're not quite considered country where we are. But I, I hear what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And and so I also I think another thing that we're sort of hitting on here, too, are these like really broad Southern, I almost want to call them like archetypes hmm. or maybe even like caricatures. So, you know, like like a hick, for instance, they're not only bought into and perpetuated by people outside of the South, but by Southerners themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw here with what Suzanne said. And you, because you can see, you could see uh, Charlene get understandably annoyed there. Yeah. It's kind of, it's and she, her parents and her people. And that, that's a really good point, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. even directed at her. It was just mm-hmm. like this broad brush kind of thing that she did. So with that in mind, I, I wanted to go back to the term hick. And I'm also going to throw in redneck and hillbilly, hence my title up there at the top. <laughs> Um, those just feel common to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I would love to say, throw in some extra words if you want, but I won't be prepared for those. But you can, and I'll come back with them for a future <laughs> extra sugar. I think you got the big ones. <clears throat> okay. So, um, you know, I think I think people view these terms very subjectively. And so for that reason, I consulted the dictionary on these three terms. Because I didn't want to get caught up too much in my experience here. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what does old Merriam-Webster have to say about this. But before I go... Merriam. Not Miriam. Gracious. Anyways, so Southern. What I wanted to ask you first is, based on your experience as a, as a Southerner, do you feel better or worse or more or less offended by the, any of those three words? That's a good question. 
sort of like putting them on a um a scale if you will right so, so got- like if is if you had if you had to get called those three words would you be more offended by any of them or do you think one like any of those words might be like you would be less offended i think i would be less offended I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I, I know. Bad. No, I think I'm trying. I'm trying to. <laughs> horrible. This is the way I'm going to do it. I'm trying to think of what I think about when I think of each of those terms. Right. <laughs> the, to your point, it is very subjective and based on very little. I don't very little factual information, just sort of like experience with people. I, I just I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's I okay to. It's okay too if you were just like I would prefer not to be called either. Any I, of those I would just things. like not to be called any names. <laughs> I just want to be me. So I've been called a hick before. Really? And yeah, and I did not appreciate it. It's since we worked together. And they said, oh, so you're a hick too. Oh, dang. And they thought they were going to find common ground with me on that. And they lucky we weren't in the same room. Oh, no. So I, I would just say that in ge- I don't think that she meant it in a mean way. I yeah. do think she was trying to connect. But I was like, oh, lady, that ain't the way to connect with me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we're miles apart. <laughs> I, I do you. think in this scale, Hick feels less offensive. Hicks from the sticks. You're just from you're from the woods. And I I agree. It does feel like place oriented, right? Yeah. And that's what I was gonna say. For me, I think the one that would be most offensive would be if someone I don't like any of them. And like I said, it really ticked me off when somebody called me a hick. But I think redneck would probably be the one that got me the yeah. most fired up. Yeah. So with all that in mind, I, let's go through the different definitions. Because, hey, if you don't tune in to hear some old lady go through the dictionary, then what are you doing with your life? <laughs> so I'll try and make it quick, okay? But hick is defined as an unsophisticated provincial person. The first use in 1669, I'm only saying that because I just want to be clear, this word's been around a really long time. Right. Another thing that I thought was really funny, it was a nickname for Richard. Poor Richard. Okay. Richard just writ large or like a specific Richard? Well, we never really know that. What do I we think just it's call him Hick? Just generally, right? And so it's kind of like, I'm thinking it's sort of like the Tom, Dick, Harry thing. I was going to say, is that where Dick came from? So here's the thing. That's why I'm saying poor Richard. Dick, Hick, could no one think of Rich? <laughs> This seems so obvious to me. Or like, were all Richards just terrible before? I don't understand what's happening. But you see what I'm saying? Like these two like really big stereotype words, both pinned Richard. What was Richard doing? Get it together, Richard. God. All right. Anyways, I just had it. That was an aside. In an aside. I was going to say, was it the saccharin for the extra sugar? We're just getting meta. I know that's sort of why I wanted to do saccharin for extra sugar because, you know, sugar. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So that's what a hick is, provincial, unsophisticated. We'll go to redneck next. In the dictionary, it literally says there, sometimes disparaging. And then it goes on to say, a white member of southern rural laboring class. This was first used in 1830. Again, just to show this has been around a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then there's a website called 
uh, writing explained where I was mm-hmm. also kind of looking into these things. It's like a usage form kind of thing where you learn to write better, like soup to nuts. I just want people to know like what the heck I'm talking about when I'm talking about these sources. Your very exciting life. How dare you? <laughs> so it um, began as a reference to working class in the South but writing explain goes on to say that it can also be used as an adjective that describes qualities of the stereotype. So these are the specific examples that they use. Ignorance, poor hygiene, low educational achievement, and a preference for country music. <laughs> That's pretty specific. But thought, all right. Poor hygiene felt random. I mean, honestly. Do you just, so, do you just tack on poor hygiene to every bad adjective? Like any time so. you've got a disparaging adjective, it could also mean poor hygiene. Well, I just sort of waited for them to throw it on anything that's like Southern related. Because yeah. like, why not? So then hillbilly. This is the last one that we'll define from the dictionary. They say in there, it's often disparaging and offensive. It's a person from a backwoods area. Usage is around since 1881. It literally comes from Billy from the Hills. Hill Billy. Sure. And so looking back to writing explained, because that's not a ton to go on, they also say that it originated in remote regions of Appalachians, which is what I was familiar with as well. Mm -hmm. Despite what the dictionary says, this website actually said that it's less offensive than redneck. Yeah. So I would agree with um, that. And I, that's how I felt, too, which is why I was surprised to see the dictionary say it was often disparaging and offensive. Mm-hmm. So so there you go. There is some stuff. I think today these terms are often used interchangeably. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know that they are because I think, to your point, it's like a gradient of horrible. So you kind of have to choose <laughs> what level of horrible you're going to be. So, well, I, I do think... If right now we pulled 10 different Southerners, we get 10 different. Get all the different. Yeah, that might be true. We probably have, what's the things with the, the the Venn diagram. (laughs) We'd have, we'd have a heck of a Venn diagram going on, but don't worry. I won't come back with that guys. I'm just saying, that's what I think we would have if we pulled them. Uh, But another thing I ran across, it's true to my experience uh, when I was doing this research is that idea of people who also embrace these terms. Yeah. It's like a, um, what do you call it when you reclaim the term? Right. And almost like a culture. Yeah. I would say, especially where I went to school, it was like a, there was definitely a redneck culture. Right. I think there's like a chapter, the, 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 uh, link between redneck and country music. I think it's a, a, a subculture of country music to have redneck country. Um, I think it's very, it's, it's a culture that's embraced. It's something that it's, it's funny because the origins are basically laborers. uh, But then you have these country artists who are making billions and billions of dollars off people and certainly are the furthest things from laborers, but they're leveraging this redneck identity and this redneck um, culture to their benefit. Uh, I think you're hitting on something pretty important there. <laughs> um, and I'm like, well, that's going to be something I'm processing later on. Um, no, but it's true, though. And I don't think we often put that. I don't know. Let me see. For me, I don't know that I have put that together before because I think I do that with other kinds of music. Mm-hmm. 
but I've not necessarily done that there as well. I have a lot of opinions on that sort of thing when it comes to country music and this, you have one, the perception of the the person of the artist and, and what they, their values and their sort of identity and then who they really are is totally different. And for some reason we still get this, this dichotomy within the, the fandom. Well, it's later down the road, but we do get a Dolly Parton episode. Oh, and really? Maybe what you should do is teach teach us, Nikki, because I told okay. you guys like I like I do like Reba McIntyre. I like Patsy Cline. There's certain artists I really like, but by and far, I'm not a country fan. So that would be all you. Yeah. Okay, I can handle so, that. One. So maybe that's a a conversation we can have with the listeners. Is they screaming at us from their cars? Idiots! You <laughs> left this out. Um, so, but I was going to say all of that to say, whether you're from the South or not, bottom line for me, I think twice about calling anybody from the South or anywhere else. One of those names. I think that's sort of what it comes down to. Um, and then I'd like to take those definitions and I'd like to run that back by what Suzanne said. So strictly based on the definition, her assessment that Charlene's parents are Hicks is technically accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, they live in a pretty provincial and non-cosmopolitan area. Mm-hmm. We talked a long time ago about where they were from. Do you remember? Yes. <laughs> so Missouri. Yes. I had to put my mind back on it. Uh, at the, at Poplar Bluff, I think. Uh, okay, that Missouri. sounds right. So it's a really, really, really small area. It is in the foothills of the Ozarks. So, um, I, I mean, it's just... I, I'm not saying that people from there are Hicks. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, with this whole segment is please do not call people Hicks. But what I'm saying is, what did she get right and what did she get wrong? She's being a jerk, but technically based on the definitions we just read, that sort of makes sense. Of the three terms, I think we're agreeing the the writers picked the least offensive term. The least offensive term. the most true to its true definition. Yes. But here's where things fell apart for me and what I think that Suzanne got wrong, not necessarily the writers, because we never know. Are they trying to set Suzanne up to, like, maybe they're not trying to write her as accurate. Maybe they're trying to write her as being a little bit of a butthead. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But she's actually referencing some classic Southern movies, which feels very relevant to us, and it feels very relevant to our wheelhouse. So I wanted to bring those two movies up. Mm -hmm. One is Coal Miner's Daughter. And you were noticing these in the more pop culture references. Mm -hmm. The other is Deliverance. These are two drastically different movies. Okay. And characterizations of Southerners are there that like, or or excuse me, those movies have very different characterizations of Southerners. I, I think you could say both offer some really like kind of some tropes, mm-hmm. but they're very, very different. I mean, they are both in the Appalachians, though different parts of the Appalachians, uh, and based on the above definitions, they will be hillbillies. Yes. That technically. Okay. So, but I was really appalled that she used those two references almost back to back. And I'll tell you why. I love Coal Miner's Daughter. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. No. I know. It's a, uh, I, I, I'm not <laughs> going to break you. me. No, 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 no. Um, but it, I do think, I'm like, everyone should watch it. It's about country music legend Loretta Lynn, who grew up in the hills of Kentucky. My fun fact will be the fact that she grew up in Butcher Holler, 
that's one holler over from where my grandparents were born. Oh, that's nice. Um, so, mm, but Chahala ain't nice. <laughs> or it wasn't in Loretta Lynn's time. I mean, that's what they're trying to say. They're just nice people, but there was a lot of poverty, mm-hmm. I think is the thing. And that was the thing from my, where my grandparents grew up, too. A holler, for those who don't know, is a narrow valley between two hills. I don't think anything sounds more Southern than calling something a holler. It's because you holler across it because it creates an echo sound. I'm pretty sure is why they call it that. Uh, And then let's cross that with deliverance. So this is a fiction. And I need to go ahead and step in and say, I've never seen it either, but it, and I, but I am going to force myself to watch it after all of the digging that I did into it. I already knew about deliverance. You do, I don't know if this, I don't know if people talk about it as commonly as they used to, but it is, it is a huge cult classic a movie. And it's a fictionalized account of basically these deranged, physically and sexually violent mountain men who terrorized a group of men from Atlanta on a canoeing trip in North Georgia. If you know nothing else, and I'm not going to go into the violent scenes, but if you know nothing else, you're familiar with the the dueling banjos. I mean, everybody knows that. It's on bumper stickers. It's a thing. If you don't know that, look it up. Look it up. Um, It's honestly, I I don't know, Nikki, from what you do know, but I'm just going to tell you my feelings on it, is that it is both a disturbing and detrimental portrayal of Southerners. Yeah. Particularly in rural areas. So that was a really, really, really rude comment. That said, though, I think it's worth mentioning that um, after that movie came out, tourism to that area in North Georgia exploded because people were very interested to see what was happening. Um, It did. But if you're going to positive me, I'm going to negative you. Okay. <laughs> See my positive? Raise me a negative. I think there was like 17 people who died because they didn't know what they were doing. Oh, um, well, we can't help In those canoeing, in canoeing trips. Well, I'm pretty sure that's what the mayor said, too. Well. Yeah, yeah, you win some, you lose some. Um, <laughs> but yes, so, I think based on everything I've ever heard of Deliverance, that is not necessarily what I would want people to think of our, our little neck of the woods. Yeah, it's a little it's a little sad, I think. Uh, a, a quick did you know, the book and the screenplay, though, they were written by a Southerner. Yes. An Atlantan, mm-hmm. uh, James Dickey, and he actually grew up in Buckhead. So very wealthy gentleman and very unique background. Him. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good for you, dude. Um, w- I mean, I'm not going to go into all of that, but if you look up his background, he is really fascinating. Um, so... Suzanne's comparison, going back to that, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense because we know when it comes to the movies, because we know, again, that Charlene's from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and because it's in the foothills of the Ozarks. Yeah, they're mountains. They're people, but they're different mountains, Mm -hmm. different people. And so in addition to being rude, eh, I don't know. Uh, It's also where Linda Bloodworth Thomason is from she's from Poplar Bluff Missouri so I am kind of curious then does she see herself as Charlene yeah so she maybe from the same area question. yeah I want to dig more into that but not for now and then I will just end all of this to say for goodness sakes and whatever you do do not cue the banjos 